Welcome to a Sunny Side Up Life podcast, a show for the woman who is ready to live an abundant life full of freedom and positivity. I'm your host, Sammy Womack, a nationally recognized money expert, budgeting coach, and your very own hype squad. I'm on a mission to help you break free from survival mode, gain financial freedom, stay motivated, and focus on what matters most. Join the movement and let's start living on the brighter side of life together. Hey guys, I'm so excited to announce that the podcast is converting from ongoing episodes to seasons. This will allow me to interview more impactful guests and take a much needed rest throughout the year. As a business owner, homeschooling mom, merchant marine wife, and person just trying to live an intentional life in this crazy world, this new format will be the best thing for my mental health and wealth. This season will include 12 awesome episodes with impactful topics and amazing guests. I am so excited to share everything that I have up my sleeve. Thanks so much for hanging in there through these changes. And as always, I appreciate your support. Just a reminder that everything discussed in today's episode will be linked in the episode show notes. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at A Sunny Side Up Life. And if you're ready to take control of your money and need guided instructions, check out my free budgeting challenge by going to asunnysideuplife.com. Now let's get into the episode. Today's episode is brought to you by the Price of Avocado Toast podcast. Price of Avocado Toast is the podcast for everyday humans looking to hear stories of triumph, advice, and all kinds of money talk in a no-shame conversation. Join my friends Haley and Justin weekly as they push to normalize finance talk among millennials through interviews and their own chats as a young married couple. You'll gain insights into successful strategies for managing your money all while feeling like you're sitting down with your closest friends. No guilt, no humiliation, just real raw honesty sprinkled with a bit of humor and grace. If you need those cheerleaders on your debt-free journey or just want to join in on the energy of this young couple, then the Price of Avocado Toast is the podcast for you. Subscribe today wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks again to the Price of Avocado Toast for supporting this episode. If you enjoy this episode, check out the show notes for a few more past episodes that we think you'll also enjoy. This week, I want to talk about creating an intentional life in a consumer culture. Let's just jump right into this topic, you guys. We are always being sold to, right? I think that we all kind of know that at this point, but I really want to dig into this and I really want to talk about how this has an effect on our money, our mental health all the things, right? All the things from the moment that we're born, we're seen as a cash value to corporations and just consumer culture in general. We're used in projections and forecasts and models of bottom line growth for company profit. And with the rise of influencer marketing, right? We are seeing this even more and more. I think it's more obvious. It's more right in front of us at all times. And I feel like there's less and less of a break from it, right? So this influencer marketing started gaining popularity around 2006. Just so happened that's the year I graduated high school. So, you know, telling on myself a little bit, but Right. That's around the time most of us were becoming adults or were really young adults. And that industry has exploded into a multi billion dollar industry. 
something that the majority of us have lived with our whole adult lives, or at least a good chunk of it, right? 16.4 billion is the projections for 2022 to be exact in this influencer marketing. This is a real thing. And you know, now there's there's stars and influencers, they're paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to post and to push a product. Like Kim Kardashian, for example, over $800,000 per post. I mean, that's a really extreme example. But this is just to show to you that there's a market for it. There is a reason why they're getting paid this much. And you can even, you know, kind of use the example of the finfluencers, the financial industry, there is always, you know, we're always getting pitched to to promote this bank or promote this refinance company or things like that. And from the influencers standpoint, you're being offered all these flashy things to promote this product that sometimes you've never even heard of, you've maybe never used, maybe don't actually um, actually even like it in your real life. And they're like, oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter. You know, there's a whole world to it. And I think that where the general public is becoming more and more aware of this world, there's not a lot of secrets about it anymore, right? But this is a real thing. Influencers are constantly buying new clothes, um, buying bigger and better houses, decorating those houses, traveling around the world, getting new cars every time they turn around. And it just feels like we can't keep up, right? Us regular people can't keep up, which causes a negative psychological effects. It's constant comparisonitis. It's constant, I'm not good enough. My house sucks. My clothes suck. How come I never get to go anywhere? How come I've never been to such and such place? How come they got to go on multiple vacations in this one year, you know, and then it just, it just breeds resentment and envy and jealousy and just the lack of contentment in our day-to-day lives. And when the average time spent on a phone is over four hours per day, this means that we are constantly inundated with ads after ads after ads and not even actually sponsored ads. Like I get tons of um, Amazon sponsored ads in my Instagram stories, on my Instagram feed. I'm constantly like clicking through to Amazon to check out the new piece of furniture they think I need or the sweater they think I need or whatever it is. But it's not just that. I think what's even more, even more kind of like, I guess, a bad influence for lack of a better word. What's even more of a bad influence is the subtle ones. Like it's one thing if it's like, oh, this is a sponsored Amazon ad and you can just kind of like turn your brain off to it. Or if you're like me, I use that target targeted marketing to kind of help me because I'm a lazy shopper. So I'm like, I don't know, Instagram, tell me what would look cute with my house because I am legitimately like in the market for stuff for my new house. <laughs> um, but I think it's the, what's more dangerous is the subtle, the subtle stuff. It's just like, oh, hey, I noticed that she had those shoes. I wonder where those shoes came from. And then you start Google searching and then you find the shoes and then you buy the shoes because so-and-so had them on her story. And it wasn't even a girl who was trying to sell them to you necessarily, right? And then it is constantly a perpetuating cycle 
of debt, of buying things that you are influenced to buy, buying things that maybe you can't afford, buying things that maybe you don't really need, buying things that, you know, you had a perfectly good pair of shoes. You just needed to go and like wash them. And you were just like, eh, yeah, but her shoes are new and shiny. I'd rather have those. Like when you really don't need them, right? And it's just a constant cycle of this. There's affiliate marketing um, where people are making money off their audiences. Basically with affiliate marketing, it's where they're like, hey, you know, if you promote our product, we'll give you 20%, 40% commission or whatever. And this is a big thing. Even Amazon is in on this now where you can have an Amazon like storefront and you can link hey, I bought this case for my phone. I bought this water bottle. I bought this blanket. Like just regular basic things and you can make a profit off of it. This happens all the time. This is super, super common, super popular. I have a couple of affiliate links myself of things that I'm like, hey, you know, hey, check out this thing, buy this course, buy this book and I will get a little bit of a profit from it, right? And it just like, it just never ends. And followers aren't just followers anymore. It's like a potential to sell. It's a it's a customer. And, you know, and it's a double-edged sword because obviously I promote my business through Instagram and, you know, I'm not here to like throw stones while I live in a glass house. But it's just like, where do we draw the line, right? Like, where is it just... A lot and real and overwhelming. So there's, you know, there's even things like you can't even watch a music video, you know, like you let's use beat head, beat headphones um, as an example. They're in certain music videos. People are using the headphones. They have the speaker or they're drinking the certain kind of liquor in the music video and they have a certain kind of clothes and we notice it. It's sneaky. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And then they're using emotions and passions to persuade us to display our our lack in life and pushing the narrative that a new whatever product I'm trying to sell you will make you happy. All you need is this product and you'll be happy. And they do this with cars. They do this with a new home. They do this with, you know, I don't know, everything, every single thing. I I, I think car commercials are the most to me where they're just like, buy this new car and then your family will happily drive to the soccer game together on Saturday and everything will be great. Or like drive drive this new car and you'll feel like you're a race car driver on your way to your boring nine to five. (laughs) It's just like ridiculous. They're trying to sell you whichever way it is. It's like, oh, it's going to bring your family closer together or it's going to make you feel like your life isn't quite so boring or it's going to make you get outdoors more. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. They can flip the script every which way to sell you a new vehicle. And there's a million other examples out there like that. And corporations profit, they, they value those profits more than they even value life itself. Like, I think we saw that during COVID, right? 
where people were like, well, we got to get the stores back open. We got to get people back to work. We got to, you know, we got to do this. We got to do that. And it's like, where do we draw the line? Yes. Like things had to happen. And and there's certain people who like couldn't take off work and certain industries that had to keep going. But did they push that line? Yeah, they probably pushed that line a lot, right? We just, we saw this exemplified like 10x during COVID. So in other words, in short, you can't escape consumerism in a capitalist economy. That It's just the world that we live in because everything is driven by what we spend and what will be spent and what is spent. And that is that is the driving force of the world that we live in. It's by seeing what other people have and what they're doing in your real life too, right? It's like keeping up with the Joneses is still a thing. Even though we know it's a thing, it hasn't stopped it from still working. I think the whole millennials generation, we grew up knowing intentionally like, oh, well, they're just doing that to keep up with the Joneses. And even though we know that that's still a thing, we still do it. We still fall victim to it. And you can be, you know, it's it's outside. You can turn the TV off. You can put your phone down and you can still walk outside your door and be influenced by your neighbors. You can still go to work and be influenced by your coworkers. It's not just technology. And then we realize like it is so embedded in who we are that we could stay inside the house completely alone or completely just with our nuclear family and still feel the need to spend money. Hello, all of 2022, right? All of 2020, we're on lockdown and people are ordering DoorDash like crazy. People are ordering stuff on Amazon like crazy. We're bored. We have nothing else to do. We have, you know, we're still spending money. We're still being influenced. Doesn't matter. So what we have to do is we have to take an active role to not continuously be caught up in this, right? This is, I think, so much more embedded in us and so much more out of control than we really realize or want to realize. I'm going to use a personal example from my personal life, my relationship with consumerism. So a lot of you might know, for those of you who don't, about five-ish years ago, six years ago, nearly, we sold our 3,200 square foot house, five bedrooms, two and a half bathrooms, massive house. We sold it on our journey to get debt free. It was our last debt item. We sold a lot of other stuff. Um, We paid off a lot of other stuff. It was a long road to that point. It was about two years leading up to it. And the very last thing we did was we sold our big house. And at the peak of it all at the at the most our debt was at our house 3200 square feet was bursting at the seams with clutter i mean we literally had stuff in every single room our garage was full we had an outside building that was full i mean we just had so much stuff that it was insane and part of what got us to that point was that i used to be in the auction business my family's still in the auction business Back when I was doing auctions, I actually had my auctioneer license. No, I'm not going to do the auctioneer talk. 
because I probably can't anymore. And I haven't tried in like six years, seven years. It's been a really long time. Uh, (laughs) But I used to be an auctioneer um, back whenever we did that. We were mostly doing like estate auctions. We were doing like antique auctions, things like that. Now my family has moved into doing um, like wholesale kind of auction or I guess like pallet auctions. I don't really know the right way to explain that. But basically they buy truckloads, literal semi truckloads of returns or out of season things from like Target, Walmart, Amazon, Lowe's, things like that. And mostly when it's from Target, it's either like the dollar spot stuff that's gone out of season and it's just pallets and pallets and pallets of it, or it's returns, or it's like online orders that people never picked up. And for some reason, they don't put it back on the shelf. They just sell it by the pallet. And so this is super common. And so this is what they do now. They they buy a semi-truck load at a time and the amount of stuff would amaze you and the fact of how much there is to sell and the fact that this is one little tiny auction house in the middle of nowhere texas and there are thousands like last year when it was when back to school season was over and all the dollar spot stuff was um was on the trucks at the end of back to school season there were like tiny little stamps you could buy for a dollar and you could buy like a three pack of stamps for like teachers like a good job and terrific and whatever there were literal thousands of those and this is one tiny auction house how many pallets of those were left after the season after back to school season was over they don't keep them because it costs them more to store them than it does to just sell them at a, a huge discount and cut their losses and move on to the next season. It's insane. I mean, it would, if you think about, if I think about it too much when I go there, it makes me sick to my stomach. It is so much. I still kind of love it though, because. <laughs> I get stuff super cheap. If you've ever seen the rug that's in my office, it came from one of those um, Target liquidation auction things. It was brand new. I literally got it for free because my grandpa and my mom give me a certain amount of stuff for free. And it's insane. It's insane to me that they can literally just give me an area rug that's valued to at two or three hundred dollars for free because there's so much stuff in that one semi truck load that they won't even notice the difference just i I can't even really articulate I, i mean it's just insane and so when you can get in my case that much stuff for that cheap or free and basically i could have way more for free than I even want. It's crazy, crazy. And so back when I was in the auction business, I would take advantage of all of that stuff. I could really have whatever I wanted because I was the boss. I ran the auction and they worked for me for a certain amount of years and that I could do whatever I wanted. And so I did. 
and I had so much stuff. I mean, there were path. There was just a pathway through our garage. We couldn't park in our garage. There was like basically no empty wall space. There were lined up with stuff in like every room. June had so many toys when she was a baby that I, I don't. She probably had more toys as a baby than they have now times five. I mean, just crazy stuff. And so I got very caught up in that. The deals, the, oh, we can't pass up the good deal because what if we need it? And, oh, it's it's so cheap or it's so free or whatever. And it's hard and you get caught up in it. And then it's not even like, well, it's expensive. That's why we can't do it. Like that, the price is out of the subject. So you just consume, 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 consume. And instead of repairing something or cleaning it or whatever, you just replace it because it's so much easier. It's just easier when you're in that kind of situation. And so that led us to basically hoarder tendencies because what if we need it? Oh my gosh, it's such a good deal. And then it just gets out of control. And so all of that kind of was on a crash course with our spending habits because we also were buying a lot of stuff that we didn't need. Even if it was a good deal, you buy five things that are a good deal, you still probably spent too much money, right? And so we were buried in clutter, buried in debt. This all kind of comes to a head. We kind of have this like we've got to fix our life kind of moment. And one of the biggest things that we did was we started purging stuff. We kind of like adopted minimalism as we adopted intentionality with our money and both of the intentionality journeys kind of ran side by side. And so before we sold our house, we sold probably 70 or 80% of our belongings. I mean, clothes, furniture, junk. I mean, there was so much stuff. Anyway, it got very out of hand. And so I had to take a very serious look in the mirror, a huge pause and be like, what are we doing? What is the point of all of this? And very, very intentionally change directions. We got rid of most of our stuff. We sold our house. We downsized to about a 600 square foot house, two bedroom, one bathroom. We lived there for almost five years. Just we needed that hard reset. And it did a perfect job of telling us what we really actually needed versus what we thought we needed. But then, all right, let's let's flip this whole entire conversation. But then sometimes we go to the opposite extreme and we had to get a 600 square foot house to prove like, okay, we really don't need anything. We lived that way for five years. We made our point. We lived well below our means for a very long time. Now we are in a 12, I think this house is 1,200 square feet. Like we found a good little middle ground here. Uh, we have plenty of elbow room, but not too much. It's great. It's a, it's a nice little middle ground. But I also think that we see people doing like no spin challenges, for example. And I think that personally, I've never done a no spend challenge because I think that they can create unhealthy relationships with money. I think that they very much um, parallel with diet culture. I think that it's like, well, I'm just going to fast. I'm going to starve myself. And we do the same thing with these no spend challenges. 
it's like basically a spending fast. And then what happens when the spending challenge is over, we purge, we, we, we binge eat, right? So we go from purging to binging and it's not really healthy. We have to do like that middle ground, right? And I've seen tons of people, other financial coaches and influencers do, do polls, ask people in their Instagram stories, like, have you participated in no spend challenges? What do you think about them? It's, it's always like a good mix. It's always, I I think every time I've seen them, it's like a good half and half somewhere in there, right? You even will have a whole section of the debt-free community who will full on shame you for even opening the Amazon app on prime day. Well, don't get caught up in the consumerism. It's just, you're making, you're making Amazon even richer, just da, 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 da. that's what they want you to do. They want you to spend money. But yeah, but I had this stuff on my wish list that I've been wanting slash needing. And now it's on sale for 40% off and I was going to buy it anyway. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So how do we kind of like pull ourselves back from being too frugal or too conservative with your money? You guys might have heard of Jordan Gromit from um, Taking Stock, and he was just on the Journey to Launch podcast with Jamila Souffrant. Um, He's the hospice doctor that wrote the book on finances about learning from people on their deathbeds and people who were dying. And basically, at the end of your life, you're not going to be thinking about your investment portfolio or how much you saved, right? So you, in that whole kind of concept of like, you can't take it with you, but also you don't want it to make your life a struggle while you are living. So how do you find that middle ground? And so you need to think about how to use money as a tool to start living and experiencing life to your fullest, to, you know, having, living those dreams, all those capabilities And not just using your life and your money as a way to consume, consume, consume. That doesn't mean we don't have to not ever buy anything because we don't want to be to that extreme either. But how do we find that middle ground? So that's what I'm going to talk about this part of the episode. Let's kind of switch gears to that is where is that middle ground? How do you have an intentional life in a consumer culture? Because we don't want to be one extreme or the other. We don't want to spend it all, but yet we don't want to never experience anything or never go out and have any fun or, you know, never get to go on that trip or buy that house or do the things that we really want to do. So like everything, it's all about balance. And I'm not saying like, oh yeah, just YOLO forever, Like life's really short. Let's just live while we can, you know, (laughs) you need to learn how to enjoy your life while also preparing for your financial future. So some of the ways we do that is for one, first and foremost, you have to work on your mental health. Therapy is an investment. It's not necessarily in expense. Like it's part of your medical spending. Like if it's needed, it's needed. It is what it is. Like you've got to really prioritize your mental health. And that doesn't mean that it's going to be like at the forefront of your spending and your 
um, your needs all the time. I went through a season where I went to counseling once or twice a month for like a year, a year and a half. Um, I've been on Zoloft for multiple years. I had a season, probably a year or two where I needed Xanax to get me through like the anxiety attacks that I was having to be able to sleep. And that was just a season. It wasn't forever. Um, the Zoloft might be forever. Who knows? (laughs) Right. But I got to a point where I had to prioritize that part. It was having a hindrance on the other aspects of my life. And so I had to prioritize that mental health. Therapy is an investment. Okay. It has to be done. Like if it, if it is needed, invest in therapy, talk to your doctor, work on different ways, you know, whether that is like, If that is just more of like, hey, I've just got to be a little more active or I need to focus on my spiritual journey. If that is like praying, going to church, meditating, like spending more time out in nature, whatever you need to do to work on your mental health, let's take, let's make that number one priority. That is going to help you because if you are in a good mental state, you're going to be able to have a lot more of a clear mind to make these decisions that affect your money. Because a lot of times when I talk to my clients and they've been overspending or making bad financial decisions, it's, well, I was, you know, I did a little retail therapy or I just had a really hard week, which, you know, no shame in this at all. But like I had a really hard week. I just, I was exhausted. I was mentally exhausted. I was physically exhausted. So yeah, I picked up dinner a lot more nights and it was more expensive. And we see that come out in our spending or we're more vulnerable to be affected by ads and influencers if we're already not feeling great about ourselves. So we can do that by we can set boundaries, right? With people in our real life, if we feel like they're not a good influence, we can take social media breaks. We can hide, block, delete, unfollow, whatever we need to do. If we feel like there are people on social media that are being a bad influence on our mental health or our spending habits or our contentment or all of the above, right? We can spend more time on our hobbies. Of course, your hobbies are sometimes going to cost you money, but I feel like we're probably not going to regret that spending as much, right? We're not having been, we're not being influenced to buy something that we don't really want or don't really need. So maybe that is spending a little bit of your fun money on a hobby or doing something with your family rather than just wasteful spending. Um, Spending time and money on your personal development. Like maybe that's reading more books or listening to more podcasts. Podcasts are free, you guys. The library is free. Um, You can buy used books. You can buy audiobooks. You can rent them. You can do whatever you need to do. You can take a walk outside. Uh, There's so many things that we can do that even if it does cost a little bit of money that are going to help us stay in that healthy middle ground. Some other things to do, I think, is to really remember to take yourself out of the present moment a little bit and focus on the bigger picture. So this looks like 
setting those long-term goals, setting that idea of, okay, I want to be here in 10 years or 20 years or at retirement age, whatever that looks like for you. And how do I get there? So how do I set those big goals, those 10, 20, 40 year goals and work backwards to get there? So we set them and then we take active roles on working towards getting them. We take those big goals, like I want to retire at 50, which is my husband's goal. Okay, it's going to take X number of dollars. We already have this much invested. This is the difference. This is how many years we have to invest it. Okay, yeah, compound interest is going to help us a little bit. Let's do the math on that. Um, His employer is going to contribute a good bit. Let's do the math on that. Okay, what's the slack that we need to pick up? How do we do that math and work backwards? okay, let's put that first. This is how much we need to invest to hit that goal. Now what's left over? Now how much can we afford for a house? Now how much can we afford for our spending money, our fun money, our restaurants, our groceries, like trickle down all the way with all of it being hyper focused on that ultimate big goal that's to retire him at 50. And your goal might be different. Your goal might be traveling the world or starting a business or buying a house, or it might only be a five or a 10 year goal. And so it might be something much, much smaller. And that's okay. It might just be like cash flowing a vehicle. That's a really great five year goal. Something like that. Right. So we set those big vision goals and then we slowly like take steps, work backwards on how do we make it a reality. And then we realize that. That way, we are spending our time and our money and our energy on ultimately what we want, not what they they say we should want, right? So yeah, we live in a little bit of a cheaper house than we could ultimately afford, but we know that it, we need it to line up with our ultimate big vision goal of retiring at 50. So instead of getting trapped into the comparison-itis trap of social media and saying, well, that person has this brand new gorgeous house. It has five bedrooms. They, they have a pool. They have you know three bathrooms, whatever it is. Man, I'm so jealous. I wish I could have that. We remember, no, we have this cheaper mid-priced, mid-sized house so that we can retire at our goal age whatever that looks like for you, adapt it to your own goals, right? Other really important things are finding a community of like-minded people. So if the people around you are constantly being an influence that you're not okay with, let's find some people that are on the same. Not that you have to necessarily shut out every single person who doesn't completely agree with you. I'm not saying that. Definitely, you don't have to. There might be boundaries you have to put up. There might be topics of conversation that you more or less don't get into with certain people. You probably already have someone in mind as I say this, right? But at least a friend or two, at least an online community of support. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people that sign up for coaching with me, a lot of my clients, they just need that safe space to talk to. They need that accountability. They need someone who is like-minded to bounce ideas off of in a safe space to talk about it out loud. And so whatever way you need to do it, find that community. If that's hiring a professional coach, if that is hiring a therapist, if that is 
signing up for an accountability group or, you know, a mastermind group or just a friend or two that's like, hey, let's set goals together and let's like do Zoom calls and check in with each other once a month. I used to do that all the time with a couple of my friends. And I honestly miss it a lot. It was a lot of fun. Whatever you need to do to find like-minded people to remind you that you're not crazy and you're not alone on this journey because there are a lot of people who are also trying to do what you're trying to do. Live counterculturally, hit these big goals and all of that kind of stuff. Last but not least, give yourself some freaking fun money because the whole point of getting right with your money is not to hate your life in the process. It is actually to live a very intentional, fulfilled life, a life of contentment, a life of, you know, your money, your spending is aligned with your priorities. That's what it's all about. So give yourself a little bit of fun money so you can spend money on those hobbies. So you can spend money on personal development or therapy or whatever it is you need. A plane ticket to go and visit your best friend because she lives in a different state than you do. Whatever you need to do, set yourself aside some fun money because the whole point is to live an intentional life, right? So you guys are going to hear a lot of great conversations throughout this season of this podcast, and you're going to hear a lot of really good interviews. So one question that I'm really excited about, and it kind of ties in with today's topic, um, every interview that I am doing this season, I'm asking every single guest to share something that brings them joy, a hobby, whatever it is, something that brings them joy that they don't do for monetary gain, that they do simply for the fact of bringing them joy. And it completely ties in with today's topic. So if you're looking for some ideas, make sure that you stay tuned for the rest of this season of the podcast, because I'm going to be asking some very influential people in the debt-free community, in the financial education community, what they do for fun, what they do that brings them joy, not just to make them more money, not to just hustle, hustle, hustle all the time. So if you're looking for ideas, make sure to stay tuned for the rest of the season. So that is all for me this week for this first episode back. And I am so excited about the rest of the season. I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks for hanging out for another episode of a Sunny Side Up Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a review. Five-star reviews are what help the podcast grow. Don't forget to check out the episode show notes for links to everything that we talked about today, as well as tons of free resources to help you on your financial independence journey, like my monthly newsletter, budgeting challenges, fun downloads, and more. Head over to asunnysideuplife.com to get started. And if you want to keep up with me in the day-to-day, don't forget to follow me on social media at a sunny side up life. Well, that's all for me this week. Bye guys.